Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Why the Cast Man, a podcast. Why the Cast Man, a podcast about Why the Last Man on FX on Hulu. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And we're going to be talking about season one, episode eight of Why the Last Man, Ready, Aim, Fire. So go watch that because we're going to spoil it. But first, why the cancellation, man? Why, Why the, the cancellation? cancellation? <laughs> I know. What a bummer. Before we even got a chance to tape this week's episode, and we will talk about this week's episode, the news came out late last night, uh, late Sunday night, before the, before the eighth episode even started streaming, that the show is not going forward on FX on Hulu. Uh, the showrunner, Eliza Clark, released a statement about it. I will read her statement now. Nice. So here we go. We have learned that we will not be moving forward with FX on Hulu for season two of Why the Last Man. I have never in my life been more committed to a story, and there is so much more left to tell. Why the Last Man is about gender, about how oppressive systems inform identity. We had a gender-diverse team of brilliant artists led by women at almost every corner of our production. Producers, writers, directors, cinematographers, production design costume design, stunt coordination, and more. It is the most collaborative, creatively fulfilling, and beautiful thing I have ever been a part of. We don't want it to end. FX has been an amazing partner. We have loved working with them, and we're sad why The Last Man is not going forward at FX on Hulu, but we know that someone else is going to be very lucky to have this team and this story. I've never experienced the remarkable solidarity of this many talented people. We are committed to finding why it's next home. Hashtag why lives on. So that was her statement, and then Brian K. Vaughn put something up on Instagram about how bummed he was, but Yorick has been through so many iterations to this point and gotten out of so many escapes. Uh, he's very hopeful. But wow. Pia Guerra, the artist, was a little more direct about things, posted uh, on Twitter, a show put together mostly by women with sensitivity, thoughtfulness, challenging a corrupt status quo, demolishing the male gaze. Of course, that would freak out certain companies devoted to that base, just saying, and then followed it up with, and no, it's not FX. We chose to work with them because they were amazing and committed to creative freedom. I'm talking about the ones who bought FX long after the deal was cut. <laughs> wow. Dude, you have to you put mean? the letters in there. You're saying basically everything but the letters. Hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot to talk about here. First of all, you were mentioning this before we got on. It's Pretty shocking to do this with three episodes left. It's right? uh, unheard of. And that's why it's super strange. It's going to kill the interest in the show, especially a show that, as we've talked about on this podcast, has really been gathering steam both creatively and I feel like more people are talking about the show as it's gone on. So it strikes me as very strange. And with those hearing those statements, two things. The, the showrunner statement feels like Maybe they do have a home. There's a cha way to read that where they do have a place for it to go. Mm -hmm. um, but that's very strange to do now. I mean, they only have three episodes left. Wait till after. 
and then yeah, do the business. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, like you're saying, the way that they're wording everything, it sounds like, generally speaking, FX is a really good company. Like, we know this. Yeah. We know that they work really well with artists. They're very supportive of people, even when shows often have not caught on in the first season or the second season or sometimes even the third season. They just plug away believe, because they believe in something creatively. But the underlying thing that Pia Guerra is saying, in case anybody didn't catch on, is FX was bought by Disney. So that was... Yeah. I don't remember the exact timing of that, but that's something that came in the middle of this development with FX. I will say uh, John Landgraf, who is the head of FX, who is one of the most straightforward, honest head guys in charge of a network ever. Like he is amazing to watch speak because you can ask him any question and he will be straight up honest about it. Most will like talk and sound bites. He'll lay it out. People love him when he he does these uh, presentations where he talks about all the data of every network. Yeah. And people are like, yo, stop giving away Netflix's data. We don't do it. And he's like, I don't care. Whatever. I'll do it. Well, he's sort of like he tells us what's happening with TV. Like yeah. he gives us the whole thing as opposed to just like like you're saying these bottled statements that so many other people do. And that's why it feels especially shocking that there's mm-hmm. like a content advisement here or like that the content seemed to inform this cancellation. Well, the thing that I was getting towards is at the last TCA conference, which is television critics association, John Landgraf gave his thing. And I talked to a couple of other critics about this. It looked like all the wind had been taken out of his sails. Like he was still talking about things. There was nothing specific that seemed a bummer, but he was definitely, the energy was not there. The excitement was not there. A lot of it was like, well, we're working with this corporate company now. And it does seem like a lot of those directives are coming down. And I don't know. I don't know if it was a data-driven decision like we've talked about, like you were just mentioning. I don't think a lot of people were watching the show or necessarily talking about the show, but it did seem to be gaining interest as it was going on. Um, but they might have just said, no, this is not the level we needed to be streaming on Hulu. So just cut it, let it go, give them a chance to find another home. But yeah, it really does not to repeat the same phrase, take the wind out of the sails here at the end by announcing this cancellation now. Yeah. A big bummer. And if it's, if Disney, if it was like the viewership's not there for a show this expensive, that's totally fair. I, I definitely get that. But if they were like, hey, we don't like some of the opinions being expressed in the storytelling of this show, I, I just don't get that. Like, if Disney's going to have all these different sort of avenues to watch content, let FX on Hulu be the place that you tell the stories that you don't want to tell on Disney+. Plus mm-hmm. Because you're trying to keep Disney+, Plus to be like PG-13 at the max. Yeah. The other part of it, though, is to be perfectly honest, I don't know where or what they would where they necessarily take the show you know like i don't know where it would go at this point because what are the likely suspects right if you got netflix and prime video are probably number one (laughs) normally i'd say maybe it'll go to hulu but it's not going there but netflix (laughs) and prime video are going to look at those numbers they're gonna have to show them the viewing numbers and i just don't think there's a chance they're necessarily going to be strong enough to go to either those places. So then it's not going to go to a Disney plus. Then you're going to a bunch of streamers that don't necessarily have the money. Like, could it go to an HBO max? Maybe like that seems a possibility, but again, they're going to want stuff. that's going to bump up their bottom line and then anywhere else it can go. Any network or something like that is just not going to be able to afford the expense of the show. I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really have a good idea of where it could go at this point. 
It's uh, it's a bummer. I mean, the oddness of this announcement makes me think there may be something more we'll hear. But otherwise, yeah, it's a, a bit bleak, much like the outlook for our characters in this show. Exactly. And that's a great transition to talk about this episode. This is a very... <laughs> I feel so weird following up. Well, the shit was canceled. This was a really good follow- focused episode. Uh, yeah, but, it really was, though. But it was. It focuses on the backstory of Roxanne, the leader of what we can now officially call the Amazons after this episode, deals with everything that's going on in the Price Max, shows how she is not what we thought she was or what anybody thought she was, and ultimately pays off on something we've been talking about for seven episodes so far. What's going on with Nora? What is her purpose here? Yeah. Turns out her purpose is to be the woman behind Roxanne, essentially, by the end of the episode. Yeah, and this episode, the storytelling, sort of the way they told the story was a bit surprising. The The time dashes were handled in a way that I feel like no other shows really do it this way, where they move seamlessly through time without having mm-hmm. a bunch of big signposts, which I thought was cool. And then to have it really, Nora look like in the worst possible position at the start of this episode, really land in a spot that I was like, oh, this is awesome. This really sets up a whole new faction that will be trouble for someone going forward. I got to tell you, I usually hate when people do time dashes like that. I need some sort of delineation. I think it's important, but I actually think it worked here. And I yeah. think it worked because everybody is off kilter. Roxanne is off kilter. And you take a couple of seconds, or at least I took a couple of seconds whenever they jumped backwards in time to go, wait a second, which Roxanne is this? Which part of the timeline is this? And I think you are supposed to feel that. You're supposed to feel a little alarmed and in a strange position when you're watching the episode. And I think the purpose, and I hope this is what they, why they did it, like, It's meant to be like, no, this isn't like a little story about how she became who she was. She was always this person. It's just she was doing a shitty job at Price Max the whole time. And then like the circumstances allowed that part of her to rise. And it really makes you, you know, someone who is sort of like a villain um, in a lot of ways. But you really like you understand how she got there, the decisions she made and what she sort of hardened herself into over the course of it. Yeah. I mean, the big takeaway, I think, from this episode is you steal one Law & Order DVD box set. Next thing, you're murdering tons of people and running a cult. And I got to say, if you're going to steal something, Law & Order is the worst thing. Like, <laughs> everyone has access to Law & Order. There's I don't no... want to side with their terrible boss. What was his name? Travis or something like that. Yeah. I don't want to side with him, but he was right. It's yeah. not all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that. that's, I agree. It was such a funny choice to have her be stealing. And maybe that was the point. It was like, that's the lowest stakes thing you could steal. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, what did you steal? Oh, a bunch of commercials. I just want to watch commercials at home. <laughs> I can't get them anywhere else. America's funniest home videos on VHS is what I did. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Well, what did you YouTube think of her whole origin here? Because to lay it out for anybody who, whatever reason, has not watched the episode or watched it a long time ago when you're listening to this podcast as an artifact in 50 years. Yes. She starts off as Price Max. She's really put down by all the men in her life. She had just been divorced. She had just survived cancer and uh, ultimately finds herself alone to the Price Max watching Law & Order and eating Twizzlers, gets a gun, kills a couple of women, likes the feel of it, finds this community 
from the house where Hero and Sam stopped off earlier, which we've talked about geography on the podcast, and I like that. I like kind of yeah. placing everybody you in the place. Love maps, love mental maps. maps. Um, a beautiful map. So, hmm. uh, <laughs> perfect Vasco da Gama impression, by the way. Thank you very much. That's what I was going for. The uh, she tricks them into thinking she is a cop. And then leads them all to the price max, informs the society. Nora calls her out on it, ultimately. Uh, but what did you think about the story? How did this work for you as backstory for Roxanne? Uh, I liked it. Uh, like I said, you get to see her sort of rise. And it it felt separate from, like, this episode also reminded me a lot of, like, a Walking Dead episode. Mm-hmm. And it felt different from that, though, um, in the way they told the story. Because it wasn't like, hey, look at all this stuff that happened that forced this person into this situation. It felt more like, look, this person wanted to become this and then did it. Um, and all of it was there the whole time. It's just she had to arrange the the circumstances. And I think she sees all of the women at the house and is like, they are like I was. I know how to scare them into being my mm-hmm. cult. Uh, and I just like there were just m- more ideas and more emotional uh, depth here than a lot of like uh, walking. If The Walking Dead had done a similar uh, storyline. So I appreciate that. And that's why I like the show a lot. And it makes you, I don't know if you have sympathy, you have a little bit of more sympathy for her as a character, but also you just, you're along for the ride with her this mm. whole time. Yeah, I really like the performance as well. This is Missy Pyle, I believe, plays this part. And I think she found a lot of gradations there between the Roxanne, who is really put down back in the day, slowly finding her power, figuring out how to become this person that she ultimately is at the end of the episode. And I believe I could be wrong since they were talking about law and order, not SVU, but I assume Olivia Benson, Mariska Hargitay's mm-hmm. character is the one who inspired her, which definitely raises the question, what is Mariska Hargitay doing in the world of why the last man? It's a great point. And honestly, I feel like if we're not going to get a season two, we're losing. That's the Hargitay season. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, that's what it was all leading up towards. Hargitay, yeah, the, the last Hargitay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, she just lashed out of the season. Well, let's put some money down. Mariska. Oh, man. She could self-fund it and play all the parts, and that would also save a little bit of money. Oh, yeah, yeah. We could do it as like a community theater production. Absolutely. The all Hargitay, Why the Last Man. That's yeah, the thing. I'm, I'm into it. Now, the other part of the episode is Hero and Sam go through some big changes here. They ultimately, not that they were together, but they break up. Sam leaves. Sam goes to a school and counts as a principal. I love this whole sequence with Sam at the school, but I was surprised, and maybe this is coming, but I almost expected Sam to come back to the price max and say, let's go to the school. Let's yeah. do the opposite of the price max and live here and teach people and bring things back that way. But I guess that's not how they were going. Well, and I wonder how much more Sam we're going to see, because it does feel like Sam's like, I want to go start an artist community. And then he goes <laughs> and is like, now I'm now I'm in an artist community. <laughs> like It was very much like I have a big goal here. I've achieved it already. <laughs> yeah, I did very much feel towards the beginning of the episode when Sam is like, eh, I don't want to shoot a gun. And Roxanne asks him, oh, what did you do before this? And he's like, well, mostly I did theater. And she's like, oh, how'd that work out for you? And I was like, oh, jeez. I know. I was like, I'm very Uh, much Sam in this situation. Exactly. (laughs) When really what we should have done rather than get a theater degree is sat in a building and shot anybody that walked in. Yeah. 
The other thing that struck me throughout the episode, I know we're jumping around a lot here. Everybody is so mean to Nora, like so mean to Nora all the time. I understand how she broke at the end of the episode, but everybody is like, shut up and get out of here. There's one of the things when Nora goes and tries to convince Sam to head to the White House, he immediately says to her, did I give you the impression that we're friends? Yeah, I know. Like what, what? What is going on? Calm down. Especially she's keeping a secret for her. Like there's, they could be, they could definitely be nicer. And she seems. Why are they? It's not like she's worse than any of the other people around. Absolutely. But I think it's all about pushing her to this place where ultimately she burns down the price backs, which is a very, I, a very bad drunken decision. Like I understand why she makes it, but even just I on a think... resource level. Yeah, bad idea. There's a lot of like salt and vinegar chips that went up in smoke there, mm-hmm. and that to me is a real disaster. Um, personally, I don't think she was drunk though. Everyone else, she was just sipping a beer. Everyone like that party; those people got loose. Mm-hmm. Those women were getting wild. And what was it called? Uh, she, a fucking party? Yeah. You ever been to a fucking party? <laughs> I'm dying to get the invite. Yeah, I'm dying to get because I love dancing with a bottle in my hand. Mm-hmm. My friends and I, over the course of the pandemic, we've had a bunch of virtual fucking parties, but it was a real mm. fucking bummer. You know, you can't quite fuck them as hard. Virtually. And it's hard to have individual, your own individual fire on Tiny either end of the bonfires. Zoom screen. Just, yeah, just carefully placing something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good party though. I think that's the big takeaway there. Very fun. Great party. Hero gets well, and lit. Hero gets lit. Then the price max gets lit. Uh, the what do you think about Hero's transformation here? Because she, when they first sort of encountered the price max group, it was like, "Hey, Hero and Sam, they're they're the unit." Is Hero officially buying into this sort of uh, mentality? At the end of it, she's cheering along with everyone in the newly Nora juiced up Roxanne. Yeah, I think so. I think she's buying into it, but I do wonder where it comes from, because certainly there's that great scene where Roxanne is really needling her about her dad and about Yorick and trying to get out why she was put down by them. And it sounds like she probably was, like most women in the world, uh, just through microaggressions and other things that potentially don't pick up on because that's the way society is. So maybe she's responding to that without necessarily saying it out loud. But I also wonder, the big thing we've seen from Hero so far is avoidance. She just doesn't want to go to Washington. She doesn't want to do things. She always wants to do the opposite of whatever Sam is asking her to do. She doesn't want to go any farther. She's constantly striving against her best interests. So I, there is a part of me that thinks that Hero is buying into this all because it's the opposite of what Sam wants, potentially. I think that's that could be true. The other take I had was this is like a response to her mom. It's mm-hmm. like everyone's saying like, hey, Nora's like, hey, I know who your mom is. Sam's like, hey, let's go see your mom. Like, why don't we go do this other stuff? Or let's get out of here at least. And it's like, she's like, I don't need my mom. I'm powerful here. This Roxanne woman seems to like me. I can, I, this is where I have power. And she enjoys that, I think. Well, also Nora screws up big time in that speech when she comes up to Hero. And I believe she says that her mom will forgive her, which is not what Hero wants. Hero wants her mom to apologize to her. So Nora not being particularly good at communications or understanding how other people work in that situation even if, again, 
hero very mean to her. <laughs> That's very mean. But in Nora's job is like a communications director or something, mm-hmm. I believe. So it's sort of like you're bad at communicating with this person, and then you're writing a speech that inspires all of these people. Right. I think Nora's good at uh, being the voice for someone else and manipulating people, but she's bad in the one-on-one because everyone's just like, don't fuck with me, Nora. Yeah. Well, what do you think – the one big thing that kind of rang false for me in this episode, and I I understand why they didn't go for this, but after Nora goes down to the river, she discovers the cop car. She finds she the sees that sick ass bird. Yeah. Was that a vulture riding on a <laughs> piece of garbage? Yeah. That whole thing. I was like, what is this bird? It was like a, it's a vulture. It's very, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was a vulture. So yeah. actually, I believe it was a metaphor bird that was floating. That's down what the I river. feel like. Yeah. It was a flying metaphor. That's mm-hmm. what it's. And those are hard to see unless something really weird's about to happen in your life. So I again, I understand why this needed to happen, but that whole discovery to me seemed very stretching Convenient. the realm. Of, yes, realm of plausibility. Where she's like, "Whoa, a vulture! I'll see where that came from." Goes down. Yeah. Is like, "Oh, a cop car." There's some dead bodies going to check this out. And she's looking in there as if she already knows this is where Roxanne comes from. Then gets the tag, goes back to Roxanne, confronts her. They are alone. There is no world in my mind where Roxanne doesn't straight up kill her at that point. Yeah, 100%. Um, I definitely agree with that. And I agree. It's very strange to me the idea of Roxanne being like, I'm going to hide my bodies here. I'm going to place my badge gently on top of them. Um, (laughs) And I get this. If there's another speaking from the metaphor bird's point of view, it's like the metaphor, the body she really buried there was her former self. Whoa. What? No. Yes. What? No. That's what the metaphor bird said right before it flew off. Perhaps she couldn't forget that part of her life. That's why it floated up again out of the water. Mm, Yes. Good. Good. Just like a dead body. Mm -hmm. And hope, which also floats. Oh, man. Hope is also the thing with feathers, which is a metaphor bird. Mm. Put it all back around. Uh, but yes, I agree with you. Definitely stretching uh, plausibility there and then in the moment where Roxanne and Nora have their their scene. I will say I like where it ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like this new power uh, dynamic that we have in the in Price Max. It is not to keep picking on things in the show, though. I agree. I like the scene and I like the speech, but I was confused. And maybe this comes from reading the comic book because I thought, oh, aren't they already the Amazons? Because she buried one of them in dirt and then had her reborn as Athena. So that already feels like you're making Amazons. Uh, and then suddenly this time she's like, we're Amazons. They're like, yeah. Oh, hadn't thought about that. Okay. That's sounds right. good. Well, you know, a lot of times you do something, you're like, that was pretty Amazonian I just did. Mm-hmm. And then uh, suddenly... I'm always tying people up with my glowing lasso. Yeah, I'm always gazing um, at a pond at myself and then turning into a flower. <laughs> Wait, which one is that? A narcissist. Oh, okay. All right, there we go. Thank you. That's but like you're saying, time. I mean, this is all picking on it because I do like where this ended up. I like where this group is heading. I like the positions everybody is in. So that's all good. Um, and I don't just to get back to it. I don't think we're done with Sab, even if it does feel very no. vital. I think we are going to see him again. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, like you said, we have three episodes left. Um, I feel like there's a lot that has to happen. 
I guess two episodes after this, right? Two episodes after this. Uh, There's a lot that has to happen in these two episodes. I mean, they don't have to have everyone come into confrontation and they probably won't. But there's a lot of irons on this, uh, this manless fire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we have, uh, this felt like very obviously putting this group in position to be more proactive. They're stuck in the price max. Now we're going to get them out. We're going to get them on the road. They're going to be recruiting people. They're going to be building up power. We also have whatever is going on with Beth's group, which we still don't know exactly. Whatever is actually going on in Washington with the Kimber and all the forces there, as well as, of course, Yorick and Allison and 355 on the road. And they all have their own individual agendas at this point. So like you're saying, lots of stuff going on. I don't know if it's all going to meet up, but I do think we're at the very least going to see some sort of confrontation in Washington before the end of the season, even if Yorick is not necessarily part of that. Yeah, and I wonder maybe we're going to end with Yorick and Hero encountering each other. Hmm. Uh, I think could be a way to do two separate sort of smash-ups. If it's the Washington-Beth situation and then uh, York and Hero on the other side, that could be cool. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, it feels like York and that group are just sort of off on their way. I think the one thing we can safely predict, though, is it is not going to be a satisfying ending to the series. (laughs) That much is true. Yeah, there's no way they're not ending this with a cliffhanger, which is going to be very annoying if the show does not actually get picked up. A hundred percent. Before we wrap up here, though, our uh, who's the man? That's what we do on the show. Who's the man man in this week's episode? I mean, Roxanne, this is the pure Roxanne episode. We get to see her um, being, becoming who she's becoming in the present tense. You know, we see two transformations for her. And, but doing both at the same time was a very cool way to explore backstory while seeing her become this like Amazonian leader. Yeah, it has to be Roxanne for this episode, exactly like you're saying. So good. Such a great transition. Such an interesting challenge for an actress to transition from one thing to another and it was very well done so i'm excited to see what happens with her and the rest of the amazons going forward throughout the last two episodes maybe we have of this show ever real bummer of a note to end on but if you'd like to support the show and other shows we do patreon.com slash comic book club also we do a live show every tuesday night at 7 p.m to crowdcast on youtube come hang out we would love to chat with you about why the last man itunes android spotify stitcher or the app of your choice to subscribe listen and follow the show at comic book live on twitter comic book club live.com for this podcast and many more until next time why the cast man why the cast man and hashtag why lives on